Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Gals of Geekdom podcast. We took a little bit of a break. We were figuring things out, but we're back with issue number 60. Now, number 60 is a very special episode. Um, it is the 50th episode that my lovely co-hosts have been on the show. Um, oh, by the way, I'm Crystal. My pronouns are she, her, and um, my lovely... Who are 50. Oh, getting old already. <laughs> are with me. Say hi, everybody. Hi. Hello. Oh, where are you going? I just said hi, everybody. Ah. I just did what I was told. Yeah, I did too. Um, so who are you, Carol? You need to introduce yourselves to the audience who has never listened to the show before. I knew who we are. Um, I'm Lizzie. My pronouns are, are whatever you want. I'm Jazzy. Pronouns are uh, she, they. Yeah. Um, so first off, I want to say, since it's 50 episodes of being with you, you've been amazing fucking co-hosts. Uh, we've done a lot of cool things on this show. I hope to continue doing cool things. And I'm grateful that we're even hitting this mark. Um, it's amazing. Uh, Uh, saved the show in the best way possible, and I love you both so much. <laughs> love you too. Love you. Yeah. Now, now we have to get the mushy shit out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're gonna. We're this is a special episode, but it's also an episode where we're gonna talk about things. Um, and we have plenty of things to talk about. Just don't look at the new site. Uh, don't look at the uh, the important stuff. Uh, uh, right? We just gotta keep going to the entertainment. Yes, the entertainment. Um, it's very entertaining. Um, there's a lot of entertaining things that happen in life and in death, I guess. We haven't mm-hmm. reached that point yet. So, Winnie the Pooh's entered the public domain. Yes, it has. Yes, and that's exciting. My time to make my feature-length porn film. What's wrong with you? Um, I want to call it Winnie the Dew. No, bad. Go, go sit in the corner. Go sit in the corner with the demon. Hey, demon! You wanna you wanna cuddle? <laughs> Having a fun time there. Yeah, I am. I'm objectively in favor of more things entering the public domain. Um, same. Okay. Same. I'm gonna preface this. I'm a. Pre- I'm about to give a thousand and ten prefaces before I, uh, I. I get into what I think my issues are. Which is what I am generally very much in favor of more and more things entering the public domain. Um, I am a big lover of like creepy horror interpretations of fairy tales. Um, I am a fan of bad horror movies. I enjoy all of these things. Uh, so with Winnie the Pooh entering the public domain, there's a movie coming out called, uh, what is it, Pooh, Blood and Honey? I think so. That sounds less like a horror film and more like some, like a, like a street gang film. (laughs) I don't know. I, I know that I hate it. 
I do too. <laughs> it's stupid and I'm unimpressed. And I spend a lot of time sitting here because a lot of other people in my timeline were like laugh, like like think that this is gonna be so much fun. I really don't think even people are like oh it's gonna be bad, but it's gonna be fun. No, I think it's gonna be boring. Yeah, First, because it's literally you know, just it, selling itself on the fact that it's characters you associate with childhood being turned into horror killers. I'm I'm sitting here like okay. this is this is a sight gag from YouTube in like 2010. Right. Like this and in particular when I see the still images and it's like oh piglets this big burly hog and it's just it's who is this creepy mask and I'm like okay and like what else are you doing for me here? And I'm sitting here just really trying to think about why why I wasn't um, excited even at the prospect of this season as something fun or stupid. Because here's and here's what I I came to from a couple uh, directions. Is because like I said, one of my my favorite movie ever made is The Company of Wolves. Like I'm I'm not. It's not that I don't like a dark, creepy horror fairy tale. The thing is that like so to use that example, right? The Company of Wolves is an adaptation of Little Red Riding Hood, which was already a violent, sinister story about feminine puberty and sexual violence and the sadomasochistic nature of uh, heterosexuality. Like that's that's all that's already what that story was about, and it's been like watered down and 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 cushioned for children's animation in the 20th century. So I'm taking that and just extrapolating this, the uh, innately dark elements of it into a movie like that's different than Winnie the Pooh, which was never that Winnie the Pooh has always been like purely wholesome and purely gentle and kind. Like, you're not extrapolating anything. You're just putting, putting blood on a teddy bear. You're not, you're not like revealing some dark underbelly of anything. And on top of that, like, it just so especially doesn't work with Winnie the Pooh. I think partially also because like, I'm also a big Ice Nine Kills fan. Everyone knows that. Like, anyone who knows anything about me knows that. And Ice Nine Kills has this line of t-shirts called Too Evil for Children, which is, like, classic Disney characters combined with horror characters, and I'm obsessed with those. And so I was trying to figure out why does that amuse me, but this doesn't. And I think there's a few things to that, which is, one, um, those t-shirts are t-shirts and not a feature-length film. Like I need this, jo- like like this joke needs to do needs to do more than exist on its own to carry a movie. Right. The the characters that that T-shirt is pulling from are it's Mickey and Donald and Goofy primarily, and those are representatives of like Disney the corporation. And there's kind of an artistic point being made with that. Uh, because there is a dark, sinister underbelly about Disney in and of itself in the way that Mickey Mouse is a representative of that's actually, like, so there's actually, like, an in, uh, and, like, maybe it's basic and childish, but there's a statement to be made um, by making Mickey Mouse look like Freddy Krueger. Like, there's at least a point you're making. Right. 
like there's an artistic also Ice Nine Kills was directly responding to something which was um the House of Blues in Anaheim, which is owned by Disney, uh not letting them perform at the last minute, like a few hours before their show. And that was why Ice Nine Kills made those T shirts. Hmm. So like there was like there's a point to it. There's a response happening. Like there's an artistic merit to that. Winnie the Pooh is just such a uniquely ill fitted property to this. It's just like super edgy. I'm so funny. Look, it's Winnie the Pooh. And he's probably going to make sex jokes. Like, it's just, this doesn't, like, what point are you, are you making? If you're going to do this, like, dark horror take on something traditionally innocent and indicative of childhood, like, I have a I need you to have a point because the sight gag by itself is not enough to carry a movie. And I think, I, I feel like, I feel like this movie is not going to be anything more than this one joke. And that's going to be really boring. It's not even going to be like fun bad. It's just going to be boring because this is just this one joke that I saw in, in like three minute and an, an animations on YouTube when I was 11. Like, I just... So underwhelmed by the whole prospect of this. <laughs> um, you put a lot more thought into it than I did. I know, because I, I, looked, I, I, liked. I felt like I should be excited about this, and I'm not. So I sat and I thought about it for a long time, about everything about it that just didn't add up to me. I just went, oh, look, it looks weird. Okay, could be fun. Fun. It's probably going to be bad. It it just looks like a pitiful attempt to be edgy to me. That's all it looks like. Yeah. Like, this is the I kind of shit I... This is the kind of shit I thought up as a moody teenager. Like. <laughs> and then there's this one guy on Twitter who, I guess, pitched this concept a year ago, and is under the threat, every single thread talking about this movie being like, I shouldn't have made this idea public. Bro, I promise no, like, you're not the first person who was like, huh, what if Winnie the Pooh was evil? Right? It's like, like, it's so bizarre to me when people act like they're owed for ideas that aren't, aren't owned by them. Yeah. Like, I said this on Twitter three years ago. And now someone actually did it, and I want a compensation. It's like, shut up. Well, if the uh, if if situations like the uh, Kimba Lion King controversy has taught me anything, is that anyone will claim plagiarism over the smallest coincidence? Well, you know, you stole my idea to watch Star Wars movies, like you've been doing, Jazzy. So, I'm going to reclaim that, and you have to pay me. Well, fuck off, because I've also been doing a Studio Ghibli marathon as well, so. Oh, no. Plus, plus you only did the prequels. I've been doing all of them. Fuck you. Oh. Yeah. Also, also, you're kind of echoing, Lizzie. Am I? Yeah. E. But, um, yeah, I guess if we're going to move on to a topic, yeah, I've been marathoning uh, Studio Ghibli films for 
fun and to show my friends who had never seen the films before, like, what they were missing. The, I guess this is a great way to get off of the, the fact that, that, uh, edgy, edgy poo movie didn't work for, for, for Lizzie. And I appreciate Lizzie's thought process into it. Probably took Same. more through a thought than I did. I just looked at it and went like, Right, oh, I just thought it was cringy edgelord I, I, shit. I didn't have any like strong emotional attachment, so to me, I'm like, well, maybe it'll be it'll be so bad it's kind of funny, you know, like like where it's trying too hard and it just kind of fails. Or I don't just, know, I can never get into like try hard edgelord shit. So, well, sometimes try hard edgelord shit can be funny to mock. You I know? guess. There's try-hard edgelord shit that, despite itself, is good or has something worthwhile in it or is bad enough to be funny. And that was the thing that was getting me about this. I was like, this just looks boring. <laughs> right. right. And, it do- and you're right. It does look fucking boring. So, Like, if you're going to do this stupid try-hard edgelord shit, at least make it fun. And I just don't feel like it is. And you're correct. Well... The jury's still out. The movie still has time to come out. So. Oh. I per- still echoing a bit. <laughs> Sorry. I personally am always rooting for a movie to be good, regardless of my expectations, but, you know. Yeah. Um, I get No, I get it. I appreciate your perspective on this. It's just, uh, it's just more thought than I put into it. My brain was like, does not compute. <laughs> like, I'd rather focus a lot of thought onto movies that I like, you know? So, yeah. And like, we can and... move on to, sorry, I keep pushing back, but let's, let's move on to the fact that you decided to go through Studio Ghibli films, which is a phenomenal and very wise decision. Yeah, yeah, I, I've been enjoying what I've been watching so far. Um, I've watched a lot of these films before. There are some where it's, uh, I hadn't seen them prior, but I've got, like, it's, it's been interesting to finally complete a lot of that. What's been interesting too is seeing your, um, your, uh, choices. Yeah, so like, like especially like in terms not choices. I mean, like your your rank. I saw some of your ranking, and I'm right. like, huh, that's different than I would rank it. I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. What you get in, yeah. into it versus what what I would get from it. Like, I so I haven't seen only yesterday. So that's oh, I highly recommend it. It's really okay. fucking good. Okay, I, I need to see that one. Um, it's I I. I guess I would probably move not your your ranking so far. I would move Nausicaa up, but I think maybe I would I would I would probably move Nausicaa up maybe because that was the first one I ever saw. So Fair. maybe that's why it has a more more special place in my heart. Like I put that as high higher up, like top three, I think maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you really. But I what? Um, Castle in the Sky, I want to rewatch. Oh, I said, I said, I said, the fact that you're enjoying it all, that's cool. You know, uh, I didn't enjoy it all. The we, yesterday, yesterday we watched the one film so far that I didn't, I genuinely right, didn't but like. I, I, I mean, I mean, for the most part, you know, 
Right, right. And to be fair, Ocean Waves was not directed or written by Ghibli's usual staff, so I'm not, it's not too heart shattering that that one was a piece of shit, so. Yeah, um, I need to rewatch Porco Rosso. Porco Rosso, see, Porco Rosso, I really like the first two acts, but when you get to the third act, it dwindles horribly in quality. I need, like, to, um, I need to see it again. I remember mm-hmm. liking it, but not as much as like the other ones, you know. But um, Only Yesterday is a very fascinating one, because I see that one overlooked, either because people didn't see it or they saw it but couldn't get into it. But I really liked it. Because what it was is basically the story of a woman taking a trip to the countryside while flashing back to memories of her childhood. And basically, their memories of time of that follow like a specific theme of disappointment. The fact that her life was not what she wanted it to be. But now in the, in the present day, day. Oh, oh, echo. echo. Hello? There we go. Uh, Anyway, so in the present day, she's finding a life that she might get something out of, but has to decide if she wants to take that chance. And I find that very interesting. It's a more introspective movie than a lot of what Ghibli was making prior to that. And this was Isao Takahata's second film after um, eviscerating everyone's hearts with Grave of the Fireflies. (laughs) Yeah, I need to see that. I need to put that one on my list. And I think I'd probably really like it. It'll um, destroy you, but it's very good. I, I bet it's... Oh, good. Awesome. I love that. Yes, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10. Right, yeah, Rare of the Fireflies will fucking destroy I, you. I know you, I know you, you haven't gotten to Princess Mononoke yet, but I will say that I remember watching that one and actually thinking that one wasn't as exciting as some of the other ones I had seen. Oh, I really like Mononoke. I do, too. But for some reason, it didn't, like, click as much for me, which is, which I found weird when I was watching through it a while ago, because, like, I remember everyone talking that one up as, like, the greatest, and I don't know. I remember that one being the one that people were pointing to as, like, the best. And then I watched it, and I'm like, this is pretty good, but it wasn't, like, as good as some of the other ones. But... I mean that was just me and that was that was me watching like maybe eight years ago, so I probably should watch it again. But I just thought that I, I had an interesting perspective to that film. But I wanna hear when you get to that one. But uh Yeah, that's getting that closer one's... to Whisper of the Heart. So that Yeah, one, Whisper that's Whisper top. Whisper of the Heart I really like, and that's the one that's either like up there for a lot of people or their absolute favorite. Like I've seen Whisper of the Heart cited as people's favorite Ghibli film. It's it's kind of like this weird unexpected favorite that I see from people. Well, it's this really, like, touching, like, pseudo-romantic, emotional, introspective film. Right, and and that's why I like it. Same reason I like Only Yesterday. Like, I've, in recent years, I've really grown to really love more introspective um, stories. So that's where stuff like Only Yesterday or even Whisper of the Heart would appeal to me. Um, the thing with Only Yesterday that's really weird is um, I've seen a couple people talk about it and talk negatively about it, which is fine. 
But the reasons for disliking it are like these base levels, I want to say almost Cinema Sins-esque criticisms of it. I hate that. Like, there's a scene early in the movie where one of the childhood memories is that she and her family are buying a pineapple and trying it for the first time. Now, if you don't know, pineapple is a bit of a hot commodity in Japan. It's expensive. It's considered. Like, so there's obviously this expectation that it must be this amazing food because it because it costs a lot to get, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, people exaggerate how long that scene takes to get to the point. Like, people act like it takes ten minutes. It's only a it's only like four minutes in total that scene goes for. <laughs> like, shut the I fuck see. up. Shut the fuck up. It's a nice it's a nice scene of a family trying something and it ter- and it not meeting expectations. I don't know. I, I thought it was just cute, so I'm sure I'd like it. I like mm-hmm. that sort of things in, in Ghibli films. Mm-hmm. Um so. Yeah, so that's I, I, I really love that one. That one, in terms of this marathon, it's going to get dethroned later, I'll just say it right now, but as far as this marathon is going currently, that's my favorite right now. But I am going to say there are a couple films later that's going to knock it down, because I already know. I There are plenty of films later down the line I've seen multiple times and can say for a fact that I like more, so. That's fair. Um, I'll have to do a rewatch at some point. I really do like Ghibli's films. I think there's a lot of really good stuff in there. Right, like I like said, the only the only one I don't like so far is Ocean Waves, and that one was like one of the that one I saw for the first time thanks to this marathon. So this was a new film for me, and it was really bad. So. Well, yeah, most people haven't really like thought about that one though. Like when they think Ghibli, that's not that's not right, right, right. But I was willing to give it a chance because it's like, hey, I I didn't hear a lot of people talk about it only yesterday, and I loved that film. So maybe this was going to be another over, overlooked gem. No, it was it was overlooked for good reason. Um, basically, it's this film about a high school romance that's very mutually abusive and toxic, but we're supposed to want to see them get together at the end, and it's awful, and I hated it. Oh, so like a lot of heterosexual romance stories. Right, and it's funny because um, I thought from the, how they were framing it, that the dude was going to be get together with his friend, another dude, because these two were so gay for each other. And that would have been the preferable ending, honestly. Well, the gay ending is always the best ending. Yeah, it's just that... But this girl was, like, one of the... It's funny, because one thing I noticed in um, Studio Ghibli movies is that um, a lot of the female characters are so super likable, and they're great. It's the complete opposite with Ocean Waves. The lady in this film was, like, this complete horrible, manipulative bitch, and I hated her. Um, wow. Tell us how you really feel. She's a horrible, manipulative manipulative bitch, and I hated her. You know, I played bass for a horrible, manipulative bitch. Sorry, what? That was a bad joke. I said I played, you know, I played bass for a horrible, manipulative bitch. <laughs> That's a stupid joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Liz- Lizzie, are you um, have have you seen Ghibli films, or how many, or which ones? My favorite is actually Princess Mononoke. It's the second one I ever saw. Um, okay. The first one I ever saw was Ponyo because uh, 
I feel like that one just kind of got a little bit of a wider um, theatrical push when it came out. was fucking adorable, so. Um, you know, my favorite is my favorites are Kiki's Delivery Service and Prentice Money, okay? And I love both of them. The interesting thing about Kiki's Delivery Service is that the um, the English dub in later releases got cut down a bit because, like, um, the original dub released in the 90s had more ad-libbing from Phil Hartman. Uh, <laughs> may he rest in peace. I'm not sure which version I've, I've seen. Well, from what I can tell, so in the original 90s dub, like, um, Phil Hartman's character Gigi is, like, like, I guess they added more scenes with him because they wanted to market, Disney wanted to market the movie a little bit. But as a result, they kind of clashed with, it kind of ended up clashing with the tone and ruining the ending a bit because, a bit of spoilers, but Gigi is in the film, in the original context of the Japanese version and the modern cut English dub, is that he's representative of, of like, kind of a childhood innocence. He's some, he's like something that's prevented. He's some, he's like a symbol of this need to not grow up. And Kiki's Delivery Service is a film about growing up. It's a film about learning, like, what you want to be, what you want to do, um, and being able to mature as a person. So by the end of the, like, during the third act, she discovers, oh, I can't talk to Gigi anymore. And in the original Japanese version and the cut English dub, it stays that way. Gigi does not talk for the rest of the movie once the third act starts, not even at the ending. But in the uncut Disney English dub from the, from the uh, 90s, they added a line at the end where Gigi, where she's able to talk to Gigi at, at the end, which kind of, to me, spoils the whole point of the movie. Interesting. And I get, and I get why they gave him more dialogue because you have Phil Hartman playing a comic relief character. You're going to use him, so. I think it's really interesting. Um. And I guess it's more a factor of language than anything else. I think it's really interesting that um, a lot of dubs by necessity have to, to an extent, um, change the story to however minuscule extent it is. Because, like, there's certain things in language that you just can't directly translate. Right, and I'm not against I'm not against change I'm not against changes if like to make change. it work for like I'm not against changes to make it work for a dub, of course. No, I just no, it's that- just an interesting perspective, right? Right, right, right. Like, um, yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes you have to change entire scenes to make it work. Like, I remember in the movie Your Name, I saw that in both Japanese and English, and in Japanese, there's a bit where so if you don't know, Your Name is basically anime slice of life. Freaky Friday is the best way so, I can sum it up. <laughs> can I say that that's actually one of my all-time favorite anime films? I oh, love I love that. that movie. Oh, I love that movie. Um, so, I, if you ever go to if you ever go to my letterbox, it's the only film I've put as five stars. <laughs> <laughs> so your name has a so basically the premise of your name is that a boy from the city and a girl from the countryside are randomly switching bodies during a point where the girl is in the boy's body. Um, in the Japanese version, she's accidentally referring to herself by the wrong way by the wrong pronouns in a way that's like. 
because if you're saying I in Japanese, there's many ways you can say it depending on gender and who you are and so forth. So there's kind of a mix up on how she needs to refer to herself. And it's a funny little um, language gag. They had to change that for the dub because that just didn't work in the. No, it doesn't translate. Right. Right. They had to change that. And that's fine. There's obviously jokes that are going to translate perfectly well in one language, but not in the other. I would imagine it's similar for slang. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I remember there was a similar thing with a silent voice. Um, so, um, a silent voice, of course, if you don't know, my favorite movie of all time. Um, it's a movie about um, a boy who was a horrible little shit in elementary school, making amends to the people he's wronged in um in in high school, specifically this one deaf girl who he was particularly nasty to as a child. Um, they make amends and and a, and something of a of a relationship forms, and there's a point where the girl wants to um confess her feelings to him. In the Japanese version, um, she so. A big part of this scene is that because she's deaf, she has trouble, um, she has a lot of trouble talking. She can talk verbally, but it does not come out clear. Um, so in the Japanese version, she's trying to say, I love you by saying a sentence that translates, that roughly translates to, the moon is beautiful, isn't it? Which is a reference to Japanese folklore. Um, okay. Um, and when she says this, the reference completely just flies over the dude's head, and the joke is that he's a fucking dunce in Japanese. <laughs> in the English version, they had to change this a bit, and I think they changed it uh, in a very interesting way that I think is for the better. Um, she says, I love you, but the words come out so unclear that he mishears something, he mishears it as something about the moon, basically. Like, okay. I saw that it's on Netflix, so I think I'm going to watch it at some point. It, it is a really good film. It is heart. It is also heart wrenching in the best way. So good. I like that. I want. I want. I want to be stabbed in the heart with the feels. <laughs> so it's all. I think that's so, what yeah. your name. Your name did good too, as well. You know. Oh yeah, your name was great, and same with um, Weathering with You, which was kind of same director and kind of same world as your name. So yeah, I saw Weathering with You as well. I, I prefer your name, but I think Weathering With You was really good, too. Same, same. I think your name is better, yeah. but Weathering With You was quite good. I can't wait for his next one, which looks like it's also going to connect to those two films. So it's a Makoto Shinkai cinematic universe. That is uh, kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I need to do a marathon of that, because oh, I don't think I even really got to talk much about this, but... um. I've been going through Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, I finished Avatar The Last Airbender, and I'm now watching Legend of Korra. Uh, so I initially was just going to be an Avatar uh, run-through, but adding Korra onto this as well. <laughs> hmm. um, so my entire thoughts about Avatar The Last Airbender is I still think it's one of the greatest television shows ever made. I love it. I love it just as much as when I did originally. So. But that's not a surprise, right? <laughs> uh, and I'm liking Korra. So. I could not get into Korra. I still need to get back to watching it to watch seasons three and four, but no, God, those I, 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 
I thought that's was... fair, but I mm-hmm. actually like it. So <laughs> yeah, that's why the Netflix show still happening. I don't even know what this. They're like, filming it right now. It was announced so long ago. I'm gonna. Yes. I'm gonna say this. I have. I. I've, I've always been against the live action show just on principle, and no, it's not just because they tried a movie and it fucking sucked. That's not the reason. I'd like to think I'm not that petty. It's that I think Avatar is one of those stories that just works so well in the realm of animation that doing it in live action is inevitably a downgrade. <laughs> like, just by default, it's a downgrade. At least with the bending. It's hard to, to replicate that. With everything. With, like, stuff like the spirit world. Like, this is a this is a series so, like, that uses its animation to full fucking force to the point where I don't think it's possible to do it in live action. At least not in a way that would be effective. I don't think it's impossible. I do think it's unnecessary. Yeah, it's unnecessary because I feel... Especially adapting an animated series into a live-action series, just it just feels exceptionally unnecessary. Right, they tried to do the same thing with Cowboy Bebop, and that was kind of disastrous, so... I haven't seen it's, what I, I didn't even know that show the show had already come out. I have not seen the live action. Yeah, it, it came out. People didn't like it, and it got canceled after the first season. Oh, that's you know what though? Like I did hear that some people did like it. Uh, yeah, so but I even the people who liked it will say it was large. It was largely an unnecessary reboot. So right, I'm not. Like I'm not I feel like I feel it, but. right, and I feel at best that's what you can hope for in something like that. Is that it's passable, but it's not going to be in any way, it's not going to serve as that much of an alternative to the other one. And it, ser- and it serves into this mindset that I, that is becoming so prevalent that I fucking hate. My problem with a lot of these animated, animation to live action adaptations is that it plays into the idea that live action by default is more adult, which I fucking hate. Cause one, it's untrue. And two, it's generalizing an entire art form. Unfortunately, that seems to be a common um, thing, especially in 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 our culture, where it's animation's always been seen as the quote unquote for kids. You know. Yeah, and the problem is these adaptations just feed into that. It, like we're feeding also into the additional it, problem that they the only animation that gets really popular here in the West that is for adults is that edgy, try-hard adult comedy. He's so extra. I think the best Western-made animated show for adults is in the last few years is like obviously Bob's Burgers and BoJack. Yeah, I was going to say BoJack was probably my personal favorite. Yeah, BoJack is pretty high up there. Like there's, there's an, oh, you're actually telling an adult story with animation. Wild. Right? It's crazy. What a concept. But I, I think there's also this thing where a lot of, um, especially TV, with TV, they see animated properties as a really easy, like, check to cash. We make a live-action version of the thing, and we don't actually have to put effort into it. And, like, there's that 
I think it's Mindy Kaling, I think is the producer for it, that's supposed to be a live action Velma Dinkley show. It's not live well, action, it's animated. it's animated. It's animated? Oh my god, yeah. I heard it was live action. Okay, that, that breaks my whole point. I have a different point I could make about it, but like that breaks my whole point. Never mind. I'll say that show looks like it might be going into into trying too hard to be edgy type deal, like from the, I, yeah. I, the idea of to, that to me feels very much like oh Mindy Kaling wanted to make a show about an, a Southeast Asian teenage girl, um, right? The detective and they were like, no, put a franchise name on it, right? Because it's like it's just. Velma, and it's focusing on this alternate universe where, like, she has never met Mystery Incorporated, which, is Scooby-Doo really the type of franchise you want to do alternate universe shit with? I don't even care about... Why? Like, what's the point? If there's not any of the other Mystery Gang around, which is not necessarily new, like, Shaggy and Scooby in particular have had their solo spinoffs, but Shaggy and Scooby are, like, the main members of the gang. Right, right, that makes sense. That at least makes sense that there would appear at the time. Why? Like, it's just strange. It's just there's no reason to attach the name to this except because you want to. Right, also because they're doing, like, they're doing violent it's, shit, and it's like, oh, look, yeah. this childhood it's property gory. is now violent. I heard it's... I mean, is it on the CW? I heard there was a new live. Actually, there was a new live action Scooby Doo TV show somewhere. No, it's a it's a it's a fan produced production. It's fan produced. It's, yeah, it's basically like it, it raised money, but I kind of wanted to try it, to check it out. But it's like it's basically Scooby Doo, but like CW eyes. It's Riverdale Scooby Doo. Want to see River, Riverdale Scooby Doo? That's right. And the um and the Velma TV series, from the looks of it, is going to be on HBO Max, which. Okay, I can check it out out of curiosity, at least, without saying anything. I think the Scooby-Doo live-action one is called Mystery Incorporated. It's on YouTube for free. I like the TV shows coming out of HBO Max. Oh, yeah. Like, I've been enjoying... HBO Max is probably my favorite streaming service right now. This is totally not sponsored. (laughs) But if you want to sponsor us, HBO, we'll take your money. Yeah, I'll I'll happily... I'll happily uh, gush about smiling friends for ten minutes for money. <laughs> give, me, give me money. I'll go to uh, so I can pay for grad school. Thank you. Thank you, HBO. Like, like I think HBO Max and Disney Plus have been ch- churning out some decent series like lately. So, yeah. Though I haven't I'll watched, like- a, I haven't watched a lot of Disney Plus series. The only one I decided to catch the day of was Obi Wan. So, <laughs> I've I've watched, I watched a bunch. I like it. Do the first two episodes. You said you watched the first two episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, I watched them. The are, first they, are they good? Do they bode well? I had lunch with my friend today who was obsessed with it. But to give me to give my spoiler-free thoughts, yes, they're very good. For someone like me who grew up with the prequels, it's interesting to see a story that continues right off of Revenge of the Sith. Like, and I know people will say, "Well, that's Episode Four, dummy," but I mean, like, continues off of Revenge of the Sith with the same actors. I mean, four. Is what tw- takes place twenty years later. Right. Um, what I like about this is there's something very somber about how they do this series that I really like. I'm kind of re- this might be a weird comparison, but I'm kind of reminded of Logan when I'm watching it, and that is very much a good thing. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that is, well, a, good, that is a good thing. Right, and I it's mean, dealing it with a lot of tragedy of the fall. Right? Yeah, it's dealing with a lot of tragedy. Um, Obi-Wan's suffering from a lot of PTSD, even though it's not spelled out right. You can tell that that's what they're going for. 
Um, also, another thing, another thing interesting about this series that I'm going to mention, it's not a spoiler, it's a casting choice, but I was so happy when I realized this actor was in the series. So one of the, so they bring in the Inquisitors, which if you don't know, is kind of a Star Wars spinoff thing where it's like a group of Force users that Darth Vader enlists to hunt Jedi, basically. They were introduced in Star Wars Rebels, they're used in the game uh, Jedi Fallen Order. They become a, yep. an embraced part of the canon, so one of them looked immediate like one of them had all this alien makeup and shit on him and he looked so familiar but I couldn't tell and at first I thought it was Benedict Wong because it he kinda looked like um his character in Doctor Strange. So I looked it up. It's actually uh Sung Kang who is uh Han Lue in uh the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> and oh. I was like and I immediately jumped going, that's why he looks so fucking familiar to me. Oh, awesome. I didn't know that. That's cool. Like, it's like, Han is a fucking six! I am wow. in love with Ewan McGregor. He is great. Like, and I have been great. since I was a little child. Um, so I, I, I have to say, I'm amazed at how well he comes back into this role. Like, it feels like no time has passed. You're making me more and more excited. <laughs> like, I'm really enjoying it so far. I loved where the second episode ended. Without spoiling it, I was, like, on the edge of my seat going, oh, shit, we're going this direction. And is Hayden in it? Yes, yes, he is. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, I'm very happy that he got to come back, because I think his career and reputation got unfairly maligned by the prequels, so. Oh, horribly. I am I'm, they can't, like, this was a show that they casted the little boy to play Luke in, right? Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely terrified for that child. I'm also so, terrified, I'm also terrified for the kid they got to play young Leia, because she's also in this, Oh, you know? no. Oh, okay. Protect Wait. the baby. Please, everyone, please, please. Parents, Disney. Protect these you, children. Ted, you keep them safe, please. I'm begging you. I'm <laughs> so, I'm so, like, I'm sorry if that sounds dramatic. No. But I, when I look at what happened to Jake Lloyd, I'm yeah. like. It's hmm. completely justified to be worried about that. Like, I, I think it's, I think it is something that should be worried about. I, I, I'm hoping that not, not, not to, um, Dragon Harry Potter is a conversation topic, but I am hope I, I need them to take the approach that the handlers on the Harry Potter movies did with those yeah. kids. They but um, turned out fine. They had their own little issue for a minute, but like they turned out fine. Mm-hmm. Do, um, yeah. I do feel the need to warn anyone who wants to see the new Obi Wan series. There is a bit in the opening scene that's caused some controversy. Um, there is an opening scene where we basically see a bit of Order sixty six. And given recent events, it might be a bit reminiscent of real-life tragedy. Just be aware of that. That's all I'll say. Just be aware. Some incredibly unfortunate timing. Right. I don't blame the people who made this series. This, like, I think they, the timing was way too fucking close to cut it, I imagine, so. Well, then I oh. saw some people on Twitter being like, why would they release this now? I don't know, because what were they supposed to do? Push right. it. How get long real back a week, I- a month? If I'm going to get real for a second, like, is there any good time to release something where that happens? How many no. shootings are we having? How many mass shootings are we having? Like, 
realistically, come on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not I'm not trying to harp on somebody who's having an emotional reaction to something in media that's that's triggering. I get it, but no, if that was a tr- especially right now, if that was an especially upsetting thing that you just didn't want to see, I get it. Right. That's why I felt the need to mention it because I, I don't like, think Disney did anything wrong. Right. I'm not calling for the people behind the series to cut it. Quite frankly, I think it's a good, on its own, it's a good scene, and I and I'm always fascinated to see more of Order sixty six. I'm I'm one of those Star Wars fans. <laughs> no, I like it too. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm I'm excited to see Hayden Christensen again, honestly, because listen, when you see if you rewatch the prequels with a more um, forgiving eye, um, I did. Yeah, yeah, and I if, just did. yeah. If you really isolate Hayden Christensen's performance, he's not bad, and I think oh. he could it could have with a better director with better with better acting direction. I think he could have been such a great Anakin. I'll say this. I thought he wasn't very good in Attack of the Clones, but it was an issue of direction. I didn't think he was that bad in Revenge of the Sith, honestly. I thought he did fine. Revenge of the Sith is when he he was great. Yeah. Yeah, um, I like just I would also say that like it's it's unfair to just call on Hayden's performance when like like let's be honest, everyone in Attack of and the Clones were giving good performances. Because, like, like we all know Sam Jackson's a great actor. Right, no, Sam J- Samuel L. Jackson was horrible in all three movies, and his career was fine. What the fuck? And I think it, like, it's, it's so, it's hard to make bad dialogue good. And well, when and also bad direction really- for the bad dialogue, like, I don't, there's only so much you could do. Hayden's performance, when he's able to just be performing, is really good. And yeah, I, 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 I wish I am. My real point is that I am excited to see him get a second chance and that he gets to come back to this. And I hope that it's a healing experience for him and that people are kinder this time. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'm liking the direction that the Obi-Wan series is going. I really like the tone. Again, the somber tone, I think, really works for this particular character at this point in time. And I think it's handled very well. Like, I... It like the production values on the series especially are fucking outstanding. Probably some of the best looking stuff I've seen from Disney era Star Wars outside of Last Jedi. So because I still say Last Jedi, say about it what you will. It looked fucking beautiful. Also, the show's directed by Deborah Chow on episodes of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a thing, quick thing is that she's pretty good. And I think she did. She do every episode. I think so. Um, is she doing every episode of Obi Wan? You mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I believe so. I believe she's at least she. I believe she's at least. So it's in, one creative. Sorry. Yeah, it's 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 like you said. It's one creative vision consistently throughout all six episodes that they're doing. She is. I'm looking at her IMDb, sorry. She's bounced around directing chairs to a lot of really interesting shows. Mm-hmm. Um, like, she's did an episode, an episode of Iron Fist. She did Jessica Jones. Dang. And Better Call Saul and The Man in the High Castle and American Gods. She's, like, bounced around to these, like, really high-profile shows. 
but like just doing individual episodes. Mr. Robot? What an interesting career. I always say that, like, say what you will about Disney-era Star Wars, they get some good people involved with a lot of these productions, so... I think with the live-action... I think with the live-action Star Wars content that they've been producing, uh, they've been having a really solid team, personally, I think, with uh, Favreau, uh, Filoni and the directors that they're getting. I think even Bryce Dallas Howard does a good job when she makes episodes of The Mandalorian. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I think they've had some really good talent there. I think I think also I think it's also very smart to have Filoni as like one of the heads of television, essentially for for them. Yeah, because he's how, been how, he's he's worked with Star Wars on TV since um the t- 2008 Clone Wars. So yeah. And weirdly connecting things back, he directed most of the a bunch of the first ep, ep, season episodes of Avatar: Last Airbender. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I noticed that when I was doing my rewatch, that Dave Filoni's name popped popped up quite a bit. So yeah, I was like, well, that's that's an interesting weird tie connection to all this. But I do appreciate Filoni's getting a chance to uh, to shine in the live action field. And I think I personally think I've enjoyed all the all the Disney Plus uh, Star Wars content. Um, like that they've been putting out. I think they're really getting some interesting stuff, and I'm very excited for the Ahsoka show, <laughs> which they're filming. Um, and I, apparently Hayden's coming back for that too. Did you hear that? Oh dang! So I, that's kind of exciting. We'll have a live action scene between Ahsoka and and Anakin. That sounds kind of awesome. So. That's on the right. And I think Dave's leading that project creatively. I think he's the one directing most of the episodes. Hmm. So, sorry, I'm geeking out because there's all this new Star Wars content, and I like Star Wars. Good shit. And uh, and I recently rewatched oh. the prequels. So. Oh, I think after... to a thing to talk about. Oh my gosh, sorry. I was at Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> The other week, um, and yeah. I, this is the first time I've been since Galaxy's Edge opened, and I just need to say, if you're a Star Wars fan and you have the means to go to Disneyland, you should absolutely go. Um, it because is it's phenomenal. It's, it's, it's so amazing. It's so immersive. I'm a big fan of what Disney is doing with their character and, like, like their, their cast members who, like, you know, are playing characters and interacting more, both at um, Galaxy's Edge and Avengers Campus and California Adventure. Um the uh, performers are doing a lot more, like, interactive, moving, walking around stuff. And you can kind of move with them and have conversations and, like, little adventures, which I think, especially for kids, is going to make – going to be very exciting. I saw um, I saw a little video of, uh, of – in Avengers Campus, I believe, that there's someone dressed up like Wanda walking around and uh-huh. a little girl who was dressed up like her. Yeah. Held her hand, so and I was cute. like, "This is this is so cute." <laughs> I I am yes, I'm absolutely I absolutely love uh, Galaxy's Edge. The both of the rides are absolutely worth it. Um, yeah, um, um, I I haven't been on Rise of the Resistance, but I've been on the uh, Smuggler's Run a few times, and I gotta say, being in the Millennium Falcon cockpit is kind of amazing. It's super, it, it is. It's, 
I feel it makes me feel like I'm ten. Yeah. Like it's plus like you get to press all the buttons. Like you do, and then they do something. Yeah. Usually when I'm in there though, like I don't like the pressure, so I, I ask to be like a gunner. So it's just one button in the back. <laughs> Jazzy, do you, do you know anything about the ride or the attraction? I I don't. Okay, so it's the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. It's basically a video game, but like, but like it's done with like a moving cockpit. So like you actually, I think this is super cool. They they the how the the ride essentially works is they'll they'll load you in and there's like a waiting area, but the waiting area is basically the uh, the ch- weird chess. I don't know what game they call it. But if you remember in Star Wars, the chess game that they're playing in the Millennium Falcon, yeah, 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 yeah. I you basically get this this giant room where you can sit down and and hang around there, and then essentially they 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 group you into different groups and they call your group to come in. The line, the line system is interesting, but basically they have multiple cockpits that look like are pretty much exact or close enough replicas of the Millennium Falcon cockpit. You sit in, and there's four seats, I think, or is there four positions, right, Lizzie? Six. Six. Okay, there's, like, pilots. There's three positions, but it's but it's six people, so there's two for each position. So you can be a pilot, um, a gunner. Or an engineer, right? An engineer, yeah. Yeah, and each each position does different things for this basically a video game that you're controlling while while the ship is moving. And you can like I think you can have different outcomes based on how good the pilots are. Yep. And it's very fun. It's very <laughs> exciting. Um the 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 line for both of the cuz I got to go on both. The line for both of the rides is amazing. Rise of the queue for reservations next time you get the chance Crystal, you absolutely have to yeah, do it. I mean, it's, I know. Yeah. It. I was mind blowing. I was amazed. The feet. This is not to dick ride for Disney too much, but um. <laughs> the thing. I mean, they like, are really good at, at theme parks. Exactly. The thing about Imagineering is it's genuinely it's such an amazing feat. This combination of engineering and artistry that goes into building the things in these parks is amazing. And it's beautiful. Um, and all of the people who worked to make it a reality, I hope, deserve all of the praise and work going forward because it's beautiful. Oh, the artists there put their heart into it. I love Imagineering. You know, um, I think it's, it's phenomenal. Like, it is. It's it's so it's it's so amazing, and the whole area is so immersive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool to be in, and it's interactive, and all of the cast members you can tell are just having such a good time. What I, what I love about it is that like even the like the cast members that aren't like characters that are basically like store owners or they're you still know, they're, a character. Yeah, they're still in universe, like playing like you know they're on the shopkeeper the shopkeeper like or the um the place where you can do your lightsaber uh lizzie have you done that yet are you going to i didn't i will someday please do it because it's it's totally worth it it at the time um so 
there's a uh, Jazzy. There's a there's a lightsaber. Obviously, creation sort of shop. I want to create my own lightsaber. It's it's awesome. You get to choose from four different styles. Uh, I won't go into the full details. You also get to choose your kyber crystal, um, which is awesome. Um, but the whole like concept that they do of this because they have to make it make sense. Basically, it's like a like a colony on um planet where the first order has like essentially taken residence but there's like an underground movement of you know the resistance that are there but like everyone has to kind of like hide and pretend that they're not part of the resistance or whatever um so like uh one inch like it's called a junk shop the lightsaber place is just the whole like facade of it being a junk shop and then they like it's basically a show. You pay two fifteen. It might be higher now. I'm not sure for your lightsaber and everything. But in addition to being part of building your own lightsaber, it's a it's a show. So you go in with a smaller group of people into a room, and they basically explain what they're doing there, the entire story of this part of the park, how it's kind of partially canon to the Star Wars universe. Um, and you get like a whole like like, spiel about about everything. You get to, like, hands-on build everything. You have to, like, literally put your lightsaber together, which is super part of the fun. Um, but, like, I love that there's this weird interactions that just happen. Like, there's a waiting area to get inside to where you're basically, your time is that you reserve to build your lightsaber. And one incident I had where, um, where like the cast members were just hanging out and the the stormtroopers came by and were asking questions and then the the Kellen cast member was just like oh they, this is just the junk shop yeah like he had to like kind of pretend like you know it wasn't it wasn't an actual like lightsaber building place which is kind of um a fun to see when you see it like happen in front of you I don't know right <laughs> so. Not to dick Ray Disney too much, but, it's, I know, uh, it, but it makes you feel like a kid. It's amazing, and it's so much fun. Um, I tried the blue milk. It was weird. I like it, but... Does I... blue milk come from blue alien space cows? I need to know! We don't know. It's just, ah! in, it's just in strange jars. But I'm... I guess I don't understand the decision they made with that. The, it's this strange, it looks like milk, but it's this strange sort of like slimy smoothie. Yeah. Icy thing. I, I like it, but I, I, I just, I don't understand, I don't understand why they didn't just make like. Jazzy, there's, there's a, there's a different change in this. There's another addition to this. There's green milk. <laughs> There's green milk. Damn, and now I need to know if they come if that comes from green alien space cows. <laughs> no wait, it comes from the titty creatures for, from the last Jedi, I forgot. Yes, it does. <laughs> Alright. Does the blue milk Okay, now I need to know. Does I am so enthralled by Star Wars lore right now. Does the blue milk also come from the titty creatures? <laughs> Probably. Was it blue milk that he was drinking? No, no it was green. green milk he was drinking in The Last Jedi, but blue milk in A New Hope. So, that, that explains the green milk. Okay. No, I guess, uh, what I don't understand is why they didn't just make blue milk tea. 
They want to because those don't because tea doesn't come from kitty creatures. I just I know I don't understand milk drinks that people like like and enjoy are a thing. You didn't need to make make that. <laughs> well, they wanted to, so. But you know, why? Because they could. It's weird. I don't know. Does the blue milk come from titty creatures? I need to know. The blue milk comes from the sky. It rains down. Yes, it rains down. That's what they mean when they bless. So there's blue titty creatures in the sky. Maybe. Yes. Secret. We just don't know. Maybe they're flying and we don't realize it. I like how I'm just having this weird, like, existential crisis over titty creatures. <laughs> Um, I also would love to say that the performers, both in Galaxy's Edge and Avengers Campus and California Adventure, are all amazing. There's a lot of stunt work going on. I very much hope, at the very least, all of the customers at Disney and the Disney Parks need to be paid more, but I really do hope that the ones who are f- functionally stunt performers, uh-huh. I really hope they're being paid more. I really do. Yeah, I've seen some of the clips of them, and it's amazing. You know, I think I'm just so worried that these people are doing this stuff and only being paid minimum wage. That is a fair and valid concern to have. Um, I need to see Avengers Campus too, but I really want to go on Rise of the Resistance. I haven't been to Disney since before the pandemic, so 2019. This is the first time I've been since 2018. Oh, wow. so okay. My girlfriend and I were uh, Disney bounded. We were Lady and the Tramp. I saw that. Okay. Yeah, I saw your pictures. It was very gay. It was a good. It was a grand old time. And my art. Really cute. My two friends, um, Bethany and Ariel, were with us. Um, Bethany uses they them pronouns for the record. If anybody as a ever speaks of them for any reason, um, okay. they were they were the two of them were Thomas O'Malley and Duchess from the Aristocats. So it was it was a very very gay time. That is uh, beautiful. I do love some gay old times. Gay, very gay time. <laughs> this is the primary way to do Disneyland. You should be only the gay. Yeah. I think for the month of June, only gay people should be allowed into Disneyland. I think so too. J- Jazzy, yeah, that'd be nice. Jazzy, if you come here, we're going to we're going to Disney. Uh, okay. That'll probably take a while. Like, the only time I can imagine ever going to California at this point with how much it costs is if I, like, have a job that requires me to go there, like an acting job. This is more like a for-the-future thing. Right. If if you're out here, we're going to have fun. Um, We might even um, find out where the blue titty creatures are. (laughs) Speaking of acting jobs, I had my... uh, I had a uh, live, a bit of a somewhat impromptu live fan interaction uh, today with um, Camp Buddy fans. Oh, how did that go? It was fascinating. I was asked questions about certain scenes, and I did not know how to answer them because they are scenes of sexual nature. And I'm like, how do I talk about this in the most, uh, in a way where I attempt to be professional? (laughs) I mean, well, sex is part of your profession, so... I mean, Fair the enough. sex that you're that you're playing in the in the game, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I get, I get, I get you. Yeah, what happened was I entered a stream like um the uh guy but the the person behind the games was uh doing the Patreon art for 
for this for this month, um, and it involved my character, so I joined in to watch just because I'm like, hey, it's my it's my dude, I might as well watch it. Like, and I was um answering questions in the chat and interacting with fans, and that was that was fun. Were they all really respectful of you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were all respectful. They like uh, they didn't ask any they didn't ask any questions that like were uncomfortable to me. Like a lot of the questions were rather amusing. Like uh <laughs> um people asked me like what was it? So there's a scene in the game that is rather infamous. Um content a bit, bit of a content warning, sexual shit where basically they're putting sunscreen on my character Lloyd, and the way it's framed, it looks like a fucking bukake scene. <laughs> and a lot of people asked me what it was like to record that scene, and I was like, I don't know, I just got through it and somehow kept a straight face the entire time. <laughs> it's like, and they're like, how do you, how did you keep a straight face through that? And I'm like, cause I just, cause they were paying me to voice this. I don't know. Yeah. Jazzy, we all know it's impossible for you to keep a straight face. True. But, like, <laughs> it's it's funny because they were like, how are you not laughing during this entire scene? And it's like, I just thought it was weird, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was a weird-ass scene, and I was like, oh, well, I'm getting paid for it. Let's do this. This will be fun. <laughs> Well, I'm so glad that they were they were nice and respectful and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I think my thought is like, like since you're obviously since your identity about your identity of you being trans, a trans lady, you know, a gal. What was that? No, of you being a gal, like voicing a male character. Oh, I just remembered another thing I want to talk about. Sorry. Um. No, no, what I was saying was, let me just get this thought out. I was like, I was worried that they would be not as respectful considering, oh no, Jazzy left. <laughs> I mean, nothing. The podcast is going fine. The demon in the corner is going to take over. It's fine. She has a lot of really good ideas. She does. She is the brains behind the whole operation. Exactly. I am just a puppet. Um, so oh, there's, anyways, there is this band. Sorry, okay, there we go. There we go, I fixed it. What, what were you asking me, Crystal? <laughs> oh, okay, let's get this quickly, and then and then Lizzie will move on to what you want to talk about. Um, Jazzy, I was just concerned, since you're you're a trans gal, that they would, they would, the fans would, would react a certain, uh, a, a way, you know, like, because it's, Surpri- it's a game with, with men. <laughs> Surprisingly, no, I haven't gotten any flack from this fandom about the fact that I am a trans woman who voices one of these characters, probably because um, the series has had trans and NB talent before, so I don't think anyone in the fandom fucking cares, so. Oh, okay, I just, I wasn't, I wouldn't know, obviously. I just was like, I, I'm right, no, no, worried no. about, like, the, the worst the, I've the ever people... got. The worst I've ever gotten was that a Let's Player thought my character was annoying and that my voice was annoying. So that's the worst that's I've gotten. That's not that bad. Well, that's not that trans bad. people can have annoying voices, too. Right, right. And trans it's like, people can I, be annoying. Honestly, the, trans the, rights. yeah, it's like, 
Um, I don't know. The way they were talking about me is kind of kind of reminded me of how people talked about the character Tidus from Final Fantasy X back in the day, and I'm like, God, I'll I'll consider that the greatest fucking honor then. No, oh, but because this is relevant. Um, there's this band. Uh, my twin brother has loved them for years. I just started listening to them a couple months ago. Um, but they're called Rainbow Kitten Surprise. And yes, um, the lead singer of this band um was actually like obviously famous for being in the band, but was very well known for having this this long bushy beard that was like the center of a lot of their posters. <laughs> right. Um. Mm. Now, the bass player in this band is trans, um, but they've been out for a while, so I knew that. Um, what I didn't know, I went to see this, and I went to see them in concert with my brother, because I got him tickets for his birthday, and he let me come with him. Uh, I went to see this band um, uh, uh, the other day, and as we were driving to the venue, my twin brother turns to me, and he goes, Hey, did you hear that, you know, that the uh, the lead singer came out as trans, like, a month ago? And I was like, No. <laughs> Um, so her name, her, her name is, um, Ella now, and it it was astounding. She sings in this, um, very unique falsetto. Uh, she has a very, very distinctive voice. Um, and first of all, she was, she had, and she has this very distinctive way of dancing and moving on stage that there was something very surreal about seeing it. Seeing her do this in a, now in a dress and suddenly realizing, no, this dancing was always meant to have a dress. She was always meant to be wearing a dress doing this. It was, um, it was so amazing and it was so exciting and there was something really beautiful of just seeing her. Her hair was long and shaved and she was in this beautiful dress and I was just like, this, this is just amazing. It was so amazing to see her on stage with her band. Like it was, it was, Emotional and exciting, and I loved it. Good shit. It was very good shit. Uh, well, can you tell me the name of the band again? Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Thank you. I, I'm going to to Google the... Okay. Oh. Um, that's that's very sweet. I love that. <laughs> it's very exciting. I guess she realized um, it um, during quarantine, and she came out right before they started their tour. Oh, so. I, okay, interesting. Very much like uh, the other band I, I love, We Are the Union. Uh, the lead singer came out as trans. Uh, officially. That and release really coincide with it. Um, and the album's called Ordinary Life, and people should go also go support them because they are an awesome uh, trans woman led uh, ska band. Uh, and uh, they 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 kick ass. And uh, I've been wanting to get her on the show. She follows me on Twitter. <laughs> Come on the show. Fun. Try and get her that, for Oh, for Prime? I know. I'll, I guess I'm just going to have to, like, publicly tag her, which I don't like doing, but... <laughs> uh, I, can, I can do that. I'm just like, 
hey, Reed, you want to come on our show? Because I've listened to your album, like, so many times since, and I've cried multiple times while listening, so please. <laughs> um, Wait, stream and listen to um, queer musicians during... <laughs> yes. All yes, the time, especially during Pride Month. Um. Uh. So. Yeah. Want to wrap up then? Yeah. No. Yeah. Let's go I, ahead I and do that. Reaching a good a good point where the end of this this episode is. Um. Do you want to plug? Who wants to plug their stuff first? Uh. You can follow me at Lizzie Lemon Drop on Twitter. Slash the final whore on TikTok. Where I talk about whatever I want. On TikTok, it's mostly my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> at this point. Um, definitely go do that. Jazzy? You can follow me over at Lady Jazzington on, twi- on Twitter. You can also find me under Jazzy Oliver on YouTube. It's mostly shit posts. Or you can find me at my own website at jazzyolivervo.com. Awesome. And I'm Crystal Williams. You can follow me at Crystal W Rocks on Twitter. You can uh you can go to my Medium account and read my articles as I've written. And also um I I have Cash App and Venmo and things. If you want feel like you need to support me or support support any of us, please donate to us. You know, it helps us not only continue having fun with the show, but just continue having fun in life. So uh, we appreciate you for listening. And uh, yeah, I think this, this, I think this is a pretty good episode number 50 for the two of you. Do you have any like final thoughts you want to, you want to say about being on the show for 50, which is quite a lot of episodes. I'm too old for this shit. This is fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm very <laughs> glad. And uh, I think with that being said, um, thank you for listening to another episode. Uh, We will be back next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.